Hello and welcome to Story Notes, a podcast that invites world-class audio producers to showcase their work. I'm David Maguire. Now, in this episode, we'll be talking to someone who is part of the extended family here and also just happens to be one of the best audio producers I know. So I'm Claire, Claire Crofton. I'm a freelance radio and podcast producer. I do stuff for BBC and independent projects and, yeah, just trying to make ends meet. <laughs> well, so we should also say, in full transparency, you also produce and present a show that is a sister show to this one, Swipe Left, Swipe Left. Yeah. We, we have a, uh, a connection of sorts. That's true, yeah. So, yeah, I make Swipe Left, Swipe Left with Gavin, Gavin Wong. Yeah, it kind of yeah started off as a dating thing, and then this series we've gone a bit broader and kind of included other embarrassing kind of stories. Um, but yeah, that's our connection. Uh, so we're going to do something different with you for this episode. Instead of concentrating on, on one story that you've produced, we're going to actually do four. So for this first one, could you introduce the piece, please, Claire? Yeah, I just um, had decided I wanted to do radio um, like as my job. And I think I had signed up to a master's to do that. And I thought the best person to test my new microphone on was my mum, because she's an amazing storyteller and very willing. So um, I just sat down with her and asked her to tell one of her best stories. And this is the story that she told me. Great. Let's press play. So let's start from the beginning. Okay. Um, so what am I doing? I'm telling you about the story of... Why didn't you start from telling, like, the holiday? Just okay, so we went on holiday to Cornwall, and we got you and Archie, and you were tiny little children, and we were staying with Emma and Dave, mm-hmm. our best friends, and their kids, and we were camping, and the weather was absolutely appalling. Howling gales, driving rain, thunder... We managed to survive for about three days, I think. And then finally we thought we can't stand this any longer, so Dave suggested that we went to stay with his mum and dad, who live in this enormous um, mansion in Devon, well, they used to live there, and with about 15 bedrooms and turrets and God knows what, right out in the half of the country. It was a very imposing house with a great sweep of a garden in front of it and I think all round it in fact it had stables it was very dark wood panelling inside and it had a huge front door and to shut it you had to pull this huge log back and forth it had instead of having a bolt it had a a massive log sort of wedged in an iron bracket. You had to sort of heave it across. It was sort of like something out of medieval times to stop intruders. Anyway, we arrived and they were super nice. We had a lovely supper and the kids all rampaged around the house and we thought it was lovely. And it was still unbelievably awful weather. Howling gales and pouring rain and thunder and all the windows were rattling and it was just, you know, dreadful. So we were really relieved we weren't camping. So we all went to bed, and there were something like 14 bedrooms, but we chose a bedroom, two bedrooms next door to each other, and we put you and Archie in a little tiny bed and a cot next door to our bedroom, which had an enormous double bed. 
and it was quite late and there was this creaky corridor right down the middle of the house and all the rooms were off it and we went to sleep and in the night Archie screamed I think Archie was yelling that's right I think Archie was yelling and so I woke up and thought, oh, God, the kids. So I put on my slippers and trudged down the landing. And the wind was howling and it was floorboards were creaking and I pulled open your bedroom door. It sort of flung open with a bang and I walked in and, I, and Archie was yelling in his bed, in his cot. So I picked him up and as I picked him up, I suddenly heard this really weird noise. curtains were perpendicular and the window was banging and there was crashing noise outside and I thought, oh my god, it's haunted. And I held Archie. I went back to our bedroom and I said to him, oh my god, it's terrifying, this house is haunted, there's all these weird noises going on. Anyway, we went to sleep. And in the morning, Woke up, went down to breakfast. Archie seemed fine, and Claire was fine. And um, I said to Dave's mother, God, it was really weird in the night because Archie was crying and I went to get him. And I said, when I went into that room, and I, when I picked him up, there was this wee noise. And she said, oh, gosh. A lot of people have told us that that room is haunted. Apparently there was some disabled girl slept in there and the parents, they shut her in this, they did something. Yeah, I think they walled her in or something. There was some ancient tale. So whether she was walled into the bedroom or walled into some other chamber somewhere else, I don't know, but that was her room. And I just felt completely... Uh, we were all thinking, shit, we'd left, we'd left... Claire and Archie in the bedroom with this haunted girl. However, the, I tell you the end of the story. The end of the story was that sometime later, I put Archie's little cot mattress down to air and I sat him on it and he went, and I realised that the noise was just air escaping from the... Mm. So it wasn't a ghost at all. Oh, that's terrifying. It's kind of funny listening to it back. I was like, oh, yeah, there's some things that are a bit, like, on the nose and a bit naff, but um, I kind of like the essence of it, of just someone just telling a really good yarn. And my mum, I think, is a great storyteller. I also love how my mum is, like, really invested in the fear, like, to an extent. She's like, it was terrifying. We left you and Archie in the room together and there was a ghost. And then she's like, anyway, we went to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, so yeah. kind, of laid, kind of a mixture of laid back and being terrified. But yeah. in the middle, it hits this kind of level of uh, sensible 
thought processes, you know. But at the same time, like taking yeah. a step back, so the weather outside is obviously awful. And then you're in a house with 14 bedrooms. I mean, that's not a house. That's a mansion. I know. I was like, these are our family friends. And I, I, I yeah, listening back to it, I'm like, dude, are they like minted? <laughs> I think they maybe are. I was like, I've never been in a house like that to my like living memory. I was really young, but um, I think it was probably a bit decrepit and crumbling. Your classic haunted house look. Yeah. Had you heard the story before? Or was, was that the first time? Yeah, no, mum has like, I feel like a good handful of like amazing stories that we always make her tell again and again and again. And I think this was one of them. Brilliant. And did you believe her when, when she was telling it that it, it might have been haunted before, you know, the kind of ending deflates it slightly oh um probably not in that telling but like in the probably first tellings I was yeah probably completely gripped and yeah I'm someone I don't know I guess if I think about it rationally I'm you know skeptical about all that stuff but like, I do quite like to indulge a bit of fear like I love a good ghost story where you actually you know it could be true yeah yeah good storytelling yeah I love it so moving on to your second piece now I've got I've got this written down as Uganda could you tell us a little bit about this and the context in which you recorded it please yeah I just left a job that I was like really unhappy in and I felt really free and one of my best friends from university was doing a PhD in Uganda and I thought oh sod it I'll just go and visit her and like go to Uganda for a few weeks never been so I went and um I, yeah, in this previous job, I, yeah, it wasn't really creative and I felt like really itching to like get creative and just have fun and make recordings and like experiment with editing because I just felt I hadn't really had a chance to do that and I really wanted to. And yeah, we just did loads of like, uh, like hopping on public transport and just going to places and we didn't really know where we were going, but we had a great time. And yeah, I just tried to keep my mic rolling where I could and record interesting sounds of like the various places we got lost in and yeah, just have something to to remember it by. Nice. Okay, well, let's press play. Jango
Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's quite funny listening back to that. I was like, oh, yeah, it did quite a nice job. I think the, the description of it being a postcard is, is perfect, really. You get a, get a real sense of, of being there yourself, especially if you're listening with headphones. It's all encompassing and it plays with surround sound, kind of that washing machine type effect, you know what I mean, where it pans left and right and stuff. Were you just experimenting there? Yeah, I think I was just experimenting. Keeps those memories really alive. Like, I, yeah, I can kind of sort of remember everyone that's in that, like the guy singing. Right. Who who was that guy? Because he sounded amazing. Yeah, he was amazing. He like, we went on this, I think it was in Kampala. They've got this like massive mosque and he gave us a tour of the mosque. And then afterwards it was raining and he like got really happy and that was started singing. And I just said, oh, can I record you? And he got like super into it. And he, yeah, he just like totally went for it. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, every radio producer's dream. He was like so willing. Yeah. And then the cafe, like I just remember recording in that cafe. I think we just got off a we like nearly drowned ourselves on um, Lake Victoria. It was like a crazy storm with like tornadoes and like we were so happy to be alive. And then we got off and went to this cafe and just like ate food. And I was like, oh, just record this moment. Like we survived. <laughs> and that other music coming through that's like on a stereo. I remember we were like going through this market and it was really raining. And this guy was selling like loads of old radios and they were all playing this. I think it's actually Congolese music, but um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's really strange. In, Obviously, it'll be a different experience for anyone listening that like hasn't done that exact trip. But for me, they're really like personal memories. Yeah. When you were listening to that piece, how did you feel? Is that the first time in a while you've listened to it? I actually listened to it um, today just to prepare for this. <laughs> um, you know, it was like a new chapter of life. And it, yeah, it was good to be, you know, away and spending time with one of my best friends and being in a new place and eating different food and feeling the sun. Uganda is really lovely. If anyone hasn't been, you should go. It's really nice. <laughs> I'd love to. Yeah, sounds great. Definitely uh, one for their tourist board. Yeah, really had a nice time there. Awesome. Okay, let's let's move on to your next piece. It's called Keeping Afloat, is that right? Uh, yeah, so this piece, I think I always had a fantasy about living on a boat, which I still, I harbour that fantasy to this day. And this was like a good excuse to go onto the canals and just try and interview people that were actually doing that and find out why they were doing that and what appealed to them about doing that. And when I listened to it today, it's the first time I'd listened to it for, yeah, like years. The essence of it, I really liked it. And I, when I was listening to it, I thought, oh, it, it's kind of nice to listen to things that I made like without a brief, just things that interested me. And I think that kind of comes across because that is something that still really interests me. And I actually think the 
interviews are quite lovely. And yeah, the people that shared with me were quite lovely. Nice. Would you mind uh, introducing it, please? Um, it's called Keeping Afloat. And I made it. It was like the first thing I made as part of my like master's course. So I wasn't very technically savvy, but... No need to caveat. No need to caveat. Yeah. I'm sure it'd be great. Okay, let's press play. When I saw the boats, they always looked so peaceful, and especially at night with the lights in the windows and things, and, and it seemed so dark, and I thought, oh, it seemed like a place to hide, you know, like a, a refuge of some kind. And it feels like a little a haven away from the city, like it's all green here, and then you're right next to the water, which is really nice when you wake up in the morning or you go to bed and you have a re reflection of the water on the ceiling and it just feels really peaceful and quiet. Like. Boaters call themselves boaters and they call other people land lovers and um, no, you're clearly you're a boater or you're a land lover. I think land people, they don't realise how we need to live sometimes and they get a bit sniffy, so we get a bit of prejudice. And As a young lad, I was discouraged from mixing with them. You don't play with those rough people. They lived in a, in a rough environment, it was as simple as that. You know, we, we're called rats, um, we're called dirty. And they thought we were dirty, uncouth. In some places, we were called water gypsies. You know, they, they treated us like they do gypsies. Basically, they didn't want to know us. They, they kind of look down on the boaters a bit like, you know, like gypsies or travellers. Some people would look on them as gypsies. I, I live without money. Literally without any money. So most of the time I have nothing. My, you know, I live the way I do by choice. It's not that I'm, you know, some great philosophical person. It's just that I've had a lot of time to reflect. Um, and I think, you know, people just, we live like battery chickens, you know. We, we live in a box, we work in a box, we get in a box to go to the box that we work away in. It's target, 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 you know, like... Even retirement is a target, even old age pension, target. <gasps> what have you done about your pension? <gasps> what about your degree? <gasps> what about your mortgage? It's carrot on a stick. It's different on the canal. Like most effective methods, this one is simplicity itself. The barge sinks with the water level as the lock empties and rises as the lock fills. A little slow, perhaps, but it does give the bargee time to get everything off his chest. Years ago, I split up with my partner. We'd moved on to the boats and she didn't take to the boats at all. And we split up and I found myself on Maid Marion with no stove, no heating. 
your money, your job. There were periods when I was starving and periods where I lived on bread and water. And I noticed that I, I'm not depressed when I'm doing that. Working in an office and earning, say, £300 a week, and I would be, you know, deeply depressed, like suicidal. But here I am on bread and water, in my boat, in the cold, you know, not knowing what I'm going to do, and I don't, I don't get depressed. The, the amazingly positive thing is, is the community, you know. very caring community and helps each other out and that kind of ebb and flow of people um, that you spend time with it's just kind of dynamic in a, in a way that living in a own land isn't nice yeah that's uh, really interesting quite a reflective piece yeah listening back to it I'm like the interviews yeah especially that I can't remember his name now, but the Scottish man is so open. Yeah, I listened to it. I'm like, oh, he was really amazing. He shared like so much with this little student that came onto his boat and just pushed a mic in his face. What a generous interviewee. And I, I'm interested from your point of view, how did you have the confidence to speak to these people? Did you just literally go across the canal and knock on barge boats? <laughs> um, I had a family friend who lived on a boat and I think she put me in touch with a few people and I think... Um, he was one of them and then um, lots of the recordings I just went out and was recording on the canal boats and I think actually the archive I like went to the canal museum and like just like which is really great in King's Cross if anyone's interested Um, you can go and they're like super nice people in there and um, yeah I just like recorded it off their like speakers and just spent like an afternoon in there and it was lovely when you listen back to these pieces, do you feel proud of them? Does it make you feel like they're better than you remembered or worse? How do you feel? Yeah, I think they're actually better than I remembered. I think I was really reluctant to listen to them again because I thought, oh, it's going to be so cringeworthy. But then when I listened to it, I was like, oh, it's not. It's really not bad. I think, yeah, obviously technically and like some of the music and stuff, I wouldn't have done it in that way. But I think the essence of it, I was like, yeah, I was quite proud. And I think the interviews I managed to get were really lovely and I really proud that those people felt comfortable enough to share that level of intimacy with me it's really personal the things they're sharing and yeah I feel quite like honored that they wanted to share those with me awesome okay well let's move on what's this uh, final piece about um so I think it's a piece of archive from this woman called Alice B Tokas who is a famous chef she this this recipe I can't remember where I found it but it's her recipe for basically hash brownies but it's hash fudge but I just thought she had the most like charming way of giving this elaborate recipe for hashish fudge I just thought it'd be fun to like experiment with like I think I was trying to teach myself sound design so I just took this bit of archive of her reading this recipe and just tried to put sound and music to it okay let's press play recipe for hashish fudge was given me by Brian Dyson, which anyone could wish up on a rainy day. 
This is the food of paradise. The Borderlands artificial paradise. 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 It might provide an entertaining refreshment for a ladies' bridge club or a tractor meeting of the DAR. In Morocco, it is thought to be good for warding off the common cold in damp winter weather and is, indeed, more effective if taken with large quantities of hot milk tea. Euphoria and brilliant stories of laughter extend reveries and make extension of one's personality on several simultaneous planes are to be complacently expected. I wonder, I wonder what you would do if you had the power to dream at night any dream you wanted to dream. You have a date with the angel. That really shocked her. What would it be like to be on the moon? How can I tell? Particular part of abstract thinking made possible to us by language it enables us to conceptualize and Almost anything Santa Reza did, you can do better if you can bear to be ravished by an evanouissement réveillé. Crikey, what an amazing voice. Yeah, she's so cool. And I just looked her up, I remembered the story. It's like she was like the long-term partner of Gertrude Stein, who's like a famous writer. And then Gertrude Stein published her book and she called it The Autobiography of Alice B. Torkas, which was really weird. And then Alice B. Torkas was too shy to release her lifelong dream of the cookbook while Gertrude Stein was alive and then she released it later because she loved cooking, French cooking. That's the story. <laughs> it reminded me a little bit of, um, you know, that song where sunscreen, is it like by Baz Luhrmann? That mix between spoken word and, and kind of crazy jazz music. Was that the kind of thing you were going for? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I do like that. That's a quite an interesting song. Fat Freddy's Drop, I think, is the music I used on this one. Oh, appropriate, considering you're in New Zealand right now. Totally, yeah. But yeah, I, I actually, yeah, I like that kind of format of like storytelling, but it's musical and you can like bop your head a bit and tap your foot to it. But it's, yeah, it's kind of got content as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, at the moment, you're doing a lot of regular programs uh, for radio and things like that. Do you still do things like this? Projects that involve uh, experimental sound and um, messing with sound design? You know, like sitting down and trying to make notes and listen to this stuff today made me think, oh, I like really want to get back to doing that and just not working to someone else's brief and just like going with your gut instincts of what you want to make. Yeah, and all these pieces are kind of, things that are sort of I find like innately interesting kind of like ghost stories and sounds from unfamiliar places and like fun hidden archive and bringing that to life and yeah it just made me think oh I'd, yeah it'd be quite nice to clear some space in my schedule and just like have fun. For, for people who would like to 
discover more of your stuff, perhaps listen back to some of the pieces that we heard is is there a place where people can discover more about you and perhaps listen to more of your stuff yeah i have a website which is just uh clairecrofton.com which is just like a portfolio of stuff i've done and then um i'm just on soundcloud yeah i think if you just search claire crofton with no gaps and crofton is c-r-o-f for freddy t-o-n Thank you very much to our guest this week, the wonderful Claire Crofton. And thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard there, be sure to check out Claire's podcast. It's called Swipe Left, Swipe Left, and it's really very good. Please press that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows. And also leave a review if you can. It really helps people to discover the show. See you next time.